Are you ready to be transported back to 1800s high society London? Because season three of Bridgerton is now playing only on Netflix. This season follows the story of the Tons resident wallflower, Penelope Featherington, as she undergoes a journey of self-discovery and empowerment where we see her truly blossom. Penn's emotional transformation takes centre stage as her friendship with the charming Colin Bridgerton evolves into something more. For those not yet acquainted, Colin, the charming younger brother of the Bridgerton family, is about to turn Penelope's world upside down. Mm, This is the ultimate good friends to lovers story. From those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them, watch Bridgerton Season 3, now playing only on Netflix. the Tasmanian-born marketing director who, in the most literal of ways, lived out a real-life fairy tale. Because upon meeting Prince Frederick at a bar, Mary Donaldson's typical Aussie life changed forever. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Now you know Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Not much of a scandal <laughs> no. today, Zara McDonald. More like all of your dreams realised. Look, when you read that opening line and said the stories of the biggest celebrity <laughs> controversies revisited, I thought we might be selling the audience up the garden path here because <laughs> there's not much of a controversy here. I have just always wanted to tell the story of Princess Mary meeting Prince Frederick and I thought what better way to do it than now. Yeah, guys, the people's princess. As time has gone on, scandal of course often means scandalous stories but every now and then we want to throw in just some happy sugar well look we're coming towards the end of the year the people are tired i'm tired we are crawling and this is the sugar hit to get us to the end of the year exactly so this is a special one-parter it won't be (laughs) any longer than one part i couldn't it's all i could squeeze michelle but as i said we are going to tell the story of how mary met prince frederick and not only became a royal but made the danish royal family even more popular Mm. when she sort of entered into it yeah talk to us about your love affair (laughs) maybe with this story because you did have to sell me on it and now that we've done the research with justine landers hanley i'm on board i love it i think it's a great story However, you have a particular relationship almost with Mary and Prince Frederick. I think if I had to nail it down, long-time listeners of the show will know that I went through sort of my tabloid era, <laughs> 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006. Come those... on now, went on a bit longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> nope, just those four years from the ages of about 9 to 12. And Princess Mary was probably at her Woman's Day peak at that Mm. time. Like she was on the cover of every magazine. And I do (laughs) feel like I had this niche level of knowledge about her and her marrying Prince Frederick. And so I've always kind of had a soft spot for the story because I always felt like it was an underappreciated story (laughs) of how... A commoner was plucked out of nowhere and became incredibly famous. <laughs> I'm wondering if every listener can hear the unique level of excitement in your voice whenever you talk about this. It's not the anti-feminist message of <laughs> a prince can save you, but instead how a chance meeting can change oh the course my. of your life. She's just a romantic, guys. So romantic. with that in mind, we are heading back to 1972 and we are going to Hobart, Tasmania. Hobart, Tasmania. 
All right, Zara. Mary Donaldson was born on February 5th, 1972 in Hobart, Tassie, over 16,000 kilometres away from Denmark. Yeah, she was born into a pretty normal working class family. Her mum, Henrietta, known as Etta, was an executive assistant to the vice chancellor of the University of Tasmania. Her father, John, was an academic and mathematics professor. Now, Mary was the youngest of their four children. And while she was born in Australia, she is actually Scottish. Both of her parents were from a little fishing village located east of Edinburgh. Yeah, Mary grew up in Hobart and by all accounts had a pretty happy, normal childhood. As part of our research for this episode, we actually read the book Mary, Crown Princess of Denmark, which was written by two Danish journalists. And according to that book, Growing up, Mary loved animals. She started riding horses at a young age. She had several cats. She dreamt of becoming a vet, which I feel like is so relatable. She has also remained an avid horse rider throughout her life and later told a Danish TV program, it's like meditation to go up to a horse and call its name and hear its greeting and its thrill at seeing you again. Even if it's only to look for carrots and sugar, it greets you in its own way. Okay, can I just say, (laughs) when I'm going to break the fourth wall here, when we were preparing this script, I did say to you, the horse point can go and you fought for it I, you said no i care that she loves animals and as you're reading that out you were reading that quote as fast as you could to get through it i refuse to admit faults or any wrongdoing what i will say is that i think we lean into the fairy tale vibe today i think the fact that mary grew up in a happy loving home surrounded by animals and pets and she wanted to become a vet and she loves horses it fits the narrative we're telling you all the dream story well there you go ladies and gentlemen it was very important that you knew she loved (laughs) horses after high school she went to the university of tasmania where she studied commerce and law and she graduated in 1995 and moved to melbourne welcome where she began a career in advertising and publicity yeah in 1997 so the year that she turned 25 years old her mum died from unexpected complications following a heart operation which was a huge shock to the family mary's mum was only 55 years old of that passing mary's sister-in-law once said after edda's sudden death john senior and his four children spent some time together working through their grief they had heart-rending times together crying and working their way through their sorrow over the loss of their mother and i think it brought them close together yeah mary later actually spoke to a danish newspaper about her grief over losing her mum. She said, my mother gave me the ability to see every human being as an important human being. She's given me my love of animals. They are so helpless and we were both touched by their dependency on people's care and respect. These are some of the things my mother gave me, that each individual is important. I hope that when I have children, I will be like my mother. I think that one's mother in certain periods of one's life is that most important person, one's greatest love. Mm, interesting that she mentioned animals. It's well, almost I, like it's a big part of her personality, Zara McDonald. I actually did really like that quote. I thought it was very sweet. And I also think it's so interesting. I I noted as I was reading through this how when someone becomes royal, they suddenly just start using the word one (laughs) instead of... One does start using the word one yeah, once it's they just become a royal. Yeah, out of nowhere. They just start <laughs> using it. Now, six months after losing her mum, Mary actually left her job in Melbourne and took a round trip to Europe and America, actually settling in Scotland for three months, which is kind of a really beautiful full circle moment for mm. her family. In 1998, she returned to Australia. This time she headed for Sydney with aspirations of becoming the managing director of an international company one day. Yeah, and in a roundabout way, perhaps you could 
could say that ambition came to fruition, just not in the way that she probably expected it to. Because two years later, in the year 2000, and now 28-year-old Mary Donaldson went to a pub one night with her friends and met a guy who would change everything. Here we go, guys. <laughs> I feel like we need like a drum, like a royal like, drum roll. I feel like Liam Payne in that impulsive podcast to be like, here we go, boys. <laughs> you know, who said that line? Oh, here we go, boys. We can't be mentioning in our fairy tale, beautiful <laughs> episode on Mary and Prince Frederick, the impulsive podcast. Yes, we can. Let's we- have higher standards for ourselves. No, we go everywhere on this show. Now, of course, that guy, unbeknownst to her, was pretty Prince Frederick of Denmark, heir to the oldest and possibly most loved monarchy in the world. Now, before we dive into what happened that night, let's have a quick chat about who Prince Frederick was at this point and the kind of reputation that he'd made for himself. And then, of course, how he found himself having a drink in a random pub in Sydney the night he met Mary. Yeah, well, Frederick was born in May 1968, making him four years older than our gal Mary. He was 32 on the night that they met. Now, a fun fact when it comes to Frederick's family. Since the year of 1513, male Danish monarchs have all been named either Christian or Frederick with the names alternating. Yeah, now the Danish monarchy, for context, is actually the world's oldest monarchy. Their lineage can be traced back to the first Viking kings of Denmark around a thousand years ago. Now, the Danish monarchy has a pretty limited role in governing Denmark under the constitution. The queen gets to sign off on the politicians elected at every national election and does officially appoint the new government. She also formally approves each new law passed by the Danish parliament and the ceremonial approval of each new Danish citizen. Mm. We know what a monarch does these days. And it's not to say that they don't play a role, but surely a lot of it's symbolic more than anything. Yeah, I agree with that. The royal family has nine castles across the country, with the main one being in Copenhagen. Now, apparently, Queen Margrethe is one of the wealthiest royals in the world. The Danish civil list grants her about 705000 American dollars per month for expenses running the royal household, including her staff, admin and properties, as well as her personal expenses. Yeah. Now, Prince Frederick's mum, Margareta, actually didn't marry into the throne. She was the first child of the king and queen of Denmark. At the time of her birth, though, only men could ascend the throne. And since she had no brothers, people actually assumed that her uncle would become king. However, the law was reformed to allow women to succeed the throne if they don't have a brother and has since been changed again to make it so the oldest child can become the monarch regardless of gender. We love a progressive royal family. I mean, sometimes it takes them a little bit of time. (laughs) Now... Margareta married outside of the royal family. She met a French commoner by the name of Henrik while she was studying at the London School of Economics and actually secretly dated him for a year before they got engaged. They had two sons, Prince Frederick, as we know, in 1968, and Prince Joachim in 1969. Yeah, as for Prince Frederick, he was clearly very clever. He studied political science at university and as a part of his course, he actually undertook a year at Harvard. He went on to obtain his degree and political science, making him the first royal to obtain a master's degree. Yeah, but I think 
more suited to the tone of this show is that Prince <laughs> Frederick had a bit of a reputation in Denmark. According to various news reports, by 2000, Prince Frederick had made a name for himself as the Turbo Prince <laughs> due to his, and I quote, penchant for fast cars, a steady turnover of model and pop star episodes, and a series of larrikin episodes. A larrikin! Yes, he also, oh my goodness, shock, had two tattoos. <laughs> he had a shark and a Nordic symbol. Dare I say for a future king? That's a pretty big deal. Well, so how's this for the other reporting we read? <laughs> he racked up speeding tickets, <laughs> loved adventure sports like polar dog sledding and jungle treks, and apparently in the late 90s, paparazzi captured him jumping naked from a window at his father's <laughs> French chateau. I really like him. Frederick was also Denmark's most eligible bachelor. He had a string of relationships with high-profile women, one such woman was model Marlou Ormond. Now, they started dating in the early 90s, but on New Year's Eve in 1992, she was pulled over while driving Frederick's car and was charged with drink driving. He insisted on accompanying her to the police station where he was immediately recognised igniting a media storm. Now, the royal family issued an apology on Prince Frederick's behalf and the pair split soon after. Yeah, in a recent biography, Frederick actually confessed the month after that sure weren't the most cool period. I wasn't at all proud and felt that each time I drove through the country in my car that everyone I'd passed could point me out. The media actually regularly debated with that in mind whether Frederick was a suitable heir with many suggesting that his younger brother, the more serious straight-edged prince, would do a better job. Yeah, Frederick went on to date model Katia Storkholm while he was completing his military training. Now, one biographer who wrote about this relationship after Frederick had already married Mary, sorry, spoiler alert, wrote that Katia was the true love of Prince Frederick's life. How weird would that be to marry someone and then a biographer come out who doesn't actually know your your relationship and say that your partner's true love was their the ex? ex. <laughs> Very weird. Now, reportedly after two years of being head over heels in love, Frederick secretly proposed to Cartier, but apparently his mother didn't approve of the union because of a strange reported and unspoken tradition in the Danish royal family to marry non-Danish partners. Now, take that with a grain of salt, of course, because that's just reports at the time of what happened. But in terms of tradition... It's not wrong. Like Prince Frederick's mum did date a Frenchman and his grandpa married a Swede. So it had been tradition for them to marry outside of Denmark. Is that part of why they're one of the world's most popular monarchies? Because whenever there's a big marriage, it's involving another country uh, and it's like it's so unifying. Australians love this royal family because of the Mary narrative. Well, for sure. I honestly think if you polled Australians, particularly Australians who are of a similar age bracket to Mary, I think they would say they have a maybe quote-unquote soft spot for the Danish monarchy because of her. So, yeah, Yeah. potentially. Now, after that, Frederick also dated a Danish pop singer by the name of Maria Montelfria, but they broke up in 1998. Apparently, Maria struggled with the kind of media attention that came with her relationship to the prince and actually did find it hard to deal with the way that people were really interested in her love life rather than her music. 
She also said that while Frederick was ready for a serious relationship, and you can imagine the public were kind of demanding that of him by this point, she was at the peak of her career. She told Life magazine, I met Frederick and we became lovers, and it was not enough for two big things at once. I toured around the world with my band and I had absolutely no time and tranquility to find out if there was really something between us. I'll always cringe when I hear people describe themselves as lovers. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I, just, I just don't well, like let it. Them, it might just be a translation thing, to be fair. That's totally fair. Now, for years, people wondered who Prince Frederick would settle down with. Lottie Freddie, a columnist in Denmark, once told 60 Minutes, he's extremely popular. He's like a rock star. I think it's the first time ever that there's been a royal person that has captured the heart of all the young girls. We are going to find out more about <laughs> the girls Hardy captured. He actually wasn't a girl, she was a woman. A lady. Right after the break. All right, Zara, this brings us to Saturday, the 16th of September, 2000. I don't even need to tell you that date. I'm sure it's embedded into your brain because this is the first weekend of the Olympic Games in Sydney and the weekend where everything kicks off for your girl, Mary. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's even more sweet that it happened during the Olympic oh Games in Sydney. Did God. you go to those Olympic Games? I think we did. Yes, yeah. actually. We travelled to Sydney for it and um, maybe... I, I went to the Olympic Games as well and I watched 10 games of handful because they were the only <laughs> tickets we could get. I remember yeah. being up the very, very back of the athletics. I yeah, think. yeah. It was, it was actually a great time. Now, <laughs> heads of state from all over the world were in town to attend the opening ceremony on Friday night, including... Including Danish Crown Prince Frederick and his brother. Now, it was Frederick's first visit to Australia. Now, the story of how Frederick and Mary ended up in the same place that night is just purely one of luck. There were a lot of royals in town, right? Including a guy named Bruno, <laughs> who happens to be the nephew of the Spanish King Mish. Yeah, so it just so happens that nephew of the Spanish King Bruno had met an Australian woman many years before and they'd stayed in touch. Now, this Australian woman's name is Cartier, a different Cartier to the one we were describing before, of course. Cartier, along with her sister Beatrice, promised to show Spanish King nephew Bruno around the best bars in town and the best places to dance in Sydney. Yeah, now Beatrice called up her friend Andrew and asked if he wanted to join them and told him to bring some nice girls. Bruno said that he would bring some friends along and Beatrice wanted to kind of balance out the number of men and women. Beatrice actually figured that Bruno's friends were probably Spanish athletes, like there for the games. But the friends that Bruno was actually referring to happened to be Prince Frederick and his brother, plus a Norwegian princess and a Greek prince. <laughs> Do they all just like live in this little circle, like, this little bubble? Is there like a group chat for Euro royalty? Yeah, must be. A Norwegian princess, a Greek prince, you've got the Danish princeman here. Princeman. Now, the royals, led by Beatrice, headed to the Slip Inn in Sydney at 9pm. And inside, Andrew was waiting with his flatmate, Mary. She was wearing jeans and a shimmering green and yellow sleeveless top. You can see it, can't you? <laughs> and Mary actually sat between Frederick and his brother. At one point in the evening, apparently they were debating what was sexier. Men with hair on their chests. <laughs> or men without. Now, Beatrice said, the princes were wearing open shirts. We were allowed to touch Prince Frederick. I liked Prince Frederick best because he was so smooth. Prince Nikolaou had a lot of hair and that wasn't really my type. Okay, 
I do want to know, and the reason we've included this little tidbit <laughs> is like it's it's really interesting to me when there are people who are there to witness what becomes quite a historical event, which is the meeting of Frederick and Mary. Like mm. the people sitting around this table had no idea what they were witnessing. But later, the stories they tell the media oh. and the, the stories <laughs> that the media deem relevant about what they were talking about and chest hair is so random to me. Why were they all feeling each other's chest as well? Although I can kind of imagine that after a few drinks. At 28? I can imagine doing it. I can no, imagine I sitting around a bar. I would. Maybe a little younger, fondling men's chests to figure out what I like best. I don't know if I'd do that today. I would if I was single, yeah. <laughs> I think people would after a few drinks. You just It would be like a weird way to flirt or something. I don't know. <laughs> now, Mary said that she had no idea that she was hanging out with royalty. She later told 60 Minutes, the first time we met or shook hands, I didn't know that he was the crown prince of Denmark. It was perhaps half an hour or so later that someone came up to me and said, do you know who these people are? And then we found out. I actually do believe her about that. I know that it's very easy for people to say they had no idea that they were hanging out with a famous person, but I I don't think I would know who the Crown Prince of Denmark was. International royalty, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously now I know what Prince Frederick looks like, but if you got any other monarch from around the world or future monarch, I don't think I'd be able to identify them unless they're from the British monarchy. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, by the time they left, they walked to another bar and restaurant and Beatrice said that she noticed Frederick and Mary were chatting pretty closely as they walked and were laughing together throughout the night. Ooh, apparently their common interest in horses, (laughs) Zara. They both love horses, an important part of the story. And of course, their love of sport and adventure drew them close together. Frederick visited Mary at her place in Bondi a few times during his Australia trip before heading back to Denmark. Do we think it was just a holiday fling? Just well, like a, you sleep with the crown prince of No, Denmark? I think they knew. I think they knew because from there they kept talking. <laughs> Frederick later said that the relationship grew with time. He said, I think it's a relationship where we slowly got closer and closer to each other despite the geographical distance. And there was just a good vibe or connection and fun and happiness and slowly but surely love as well came into it. Mary said that, and I quote, from the very first moment we started talking, we never really stopped talking. And that was also part of our geographical distance. Everything was through words. And so we established a really strong relationship to begin with. Now, they actually did long distance for a year. Mary's friend, a guy named Hamish, told the authors of a biography we read that Frederick and her would talk almost daily on the phone. She spoke with him all the time and there was no doubt that it was serious. That's what Hamish said. That's That's what what Hamish said. Hamish, thank you for the tidbit. (laughs) We really appreciate it. Now, Prince Frederick actually flew back to Australia within two weeks of their meeting. It's interesting to consider the slowly quotes that he gave earlier with this timeline in mind. Like he flew home and then flew back within two weeks. That's not slow. That is like a fiery, passionate love affair. Yes, absolutely. I just don't think people are ready to hear that from the royals, if I'm honest. (laughs) The tabloids were curious about his return to Australia, but the royal family said it was just an opportunity for him to travel through the country he'd fallen in love with during the Olympic Games. (laughs) We are so, so, what, such big suckers for a story. Such big suckers. And also, I think, add to that fact that the Australian press and people didn't recognise him, meaning Mary and Frederick could walk around together in Australia very freely. He would drop into her new workplace, Bell Property, a place she'd started working in marketing, and, like, none of her co-workers <laughs> caught on. Frederick apparently travelled to Australia five times 
times over the next year. Yeah, and reporters didn't discover their relationship for 12 months. In September 2001, a Danish weekly magazine wrote that Frederick had found an Australian girlfriend, but said that it was an Australian sailor by the name of Belinda Stowell who competed in the (laughs) Olympics. So even a year on... Just, How are they getting it so wildly wrong as well? Yeah. There's I, not many facts going on, a lot of feelings. Yeah. Now, in November, Mary was leaving work when she ran into another Danish journalist who asked her whether she was Frederick's girlfriend. Mary replied, no comment. <laughs> I love a media trained gal. But a photographer. One can make no comment. Yeah, one must not <laughs> comment on this story. But a photographer. Oh my God. It wasn't even that good of a call. It wasn't bad. Anyway, a photographer actually snapped a photo anyway. Three days later, that photo of Mary wearing a red skirt and a black top was on the front page of a Danish magazine. And overnight, Mary became famous in Denmark. Yeah, the attention was completely overwhelming as well. Her former boss at Bell Property told the biography authors, for a short time, we had to employ bodyguards to protect Mary. We had something like 25 press photographers who almost camped on the steps outside Bell Property to get pictures of Mary and journalists called incessantly to get comments from us. She was a bit shocked and so were we. It was, of course, a big change and demanded some reorganisation. How intense. How intense, but also how great for these two that they had 12 months of, like, secret bliss. Being sure. Yeah, and and not needing to put something out into the public domain before it's fully cooked. I feel like in a year you can fully cook a bond. Yeah, 100%. And I think... By the point it goes public, yeah, you're not trying to work out what it is. Like you're very sure of what it is. They're also of an age where you're not mucking around. No. You know what you want. And unfortunately, there's a lot that comes with that, but they'd sorted it out. Now, at the end of 2001, 15 months into their relationship, Mary moved to Denmark. She actually later told a TV program in Denmark, we'd reached a point where we couldn't continue the relationship in the same way for much longer. We made the decision together that it would be easier for me to settle in Denmark than the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine trying to be the Danish king in from Bondi. <laughs> Bondi. <laughs> or from the steps of Bell Property. Now, she lived in a flat a few minutes' walk from the palaces where Frederick lived and got a job just north of Copenhagen working as a project consultant at Microsoft. And while she wasn't yet engaged to Prince Frederick, Mary did have to embark on all the kinds of traditional preparations she would need to undertake the role as Danish princess. She, for one, started learning Danish and took lessons on Danish culture and politics. I know a lot of people learn a language later in life, but God, that would be quite intimidating having to learn a whole other language, almost reach like what, at the age of 30 and then having the public scrutinize just how well you're doing at learning that language. Well, you're learning the language to be a public figure which is very different to so many other people who learn a language to sort of experience new culture. Like, you know, not only are you going to have to speak this to his family and his friends, but you're going to have to speak it eventually to the media. To the world. And pronunciation, like every little note would be so intense for you because if you pronounce something the wrong way or do something clunkily you'll have people come down on you for it tensing like anyone who's learned a language as an adult will know like it's often the tenses that are the Mm. hardest thing to grapple with the danish press were understandably all over mary in may 2002 a magazine offered a ten thousand dollar danish krona reward which was just over two thousand dollars aud at the time to a reader who could snap a picture of mary and frederick together because they would just 
just never seen together. Now, the reward situation, however, was so offensive to many locals that they boycotted the magazine and attacked its chief editor. I cannot imagine Australians being that loyal if we had a king and queen to call to boycott a magazine. Are you kidding? Aussies would be like... We'd be like ruthless. We'd be like 2K up it to 20. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Now, by May 2002, Frederick and Mary allowed themselves to be seen together publicly holding hands. Many speculated around this time that they would be getting married the following May. Now, Mary would be turning 30 and Frederick was turning 34 that month, but people were wrong. Months went by and still nothing. In January 2003, they kissed each other for the first time in public on the dock of Mary hometown in Hobart where Frederick was sailing in the Dragon Class World <laughs> Championships. Now, even though this was just a kiss on the cheek, it wasn't even a real kiss on the cheek. Denmark still went crazy for it, guys, as did the Aussies. Editorials were written about the moment and the kiss was replayed so many times <laughs> on TV. This the- is like embarrassing <laughs> from us. A like, kiss do on the cheek? I think it is. We're such like little primary school we kids. Are. The press speculated though was the kiss on the cheek the precursor to some big marital news well it wasn't the sydney morning (laughs) herald wrote there is always the prospect that donaldson may like previous girlfriends be dumped by frederick after about two years (laughs) brutal so brutal and then on a thursday in early august 2003 Queen Margareta spoke to the press for the first time about Mary. Now, the Queen said this, and keep in mind, the wording is interesting here, likely because of translation. Mm. But she said, we have met her, as you well know, and appreciate her. And then one of the journos asked her if she would get a sweet daughter-in-law. The Queen replied, I think it will be fine. So as I mentioned, sort of clunky when you translate it, but the inference, of course, is... Approved. Yeah, approved here... Just wait and see. We're all good. Green tick of approval. Now, the press took this as confirmation that the Queen had absolutely given her consent of the relationship. By this point... Mary and Prince Frederick had been dating for almost three years. Mary's dad said that he was in Korea when he received a letter from the prince asking for his daughter's hand. He said that was followed by a phone call. It pleased me enormously that he'd chosen to behave with such formality and I had no desire to stand in the way of their happiness. I wrote back to Frederick that I gave my permission and that I hoped he would be a good husband to Mary. On Wednesday, the 24th of September, the Queen's Lord Chamberlain issued a press release. It read, The Royal House hereby informs that Her Majesty the Queen and the Council of State, which is appointed to take place Wednesday, 8 October 2003 at 10am at the Royal (laughs) Residence, Adam Allenberg Castle, (laughs) intends to give her consent to His Royal Highness, the Crown Prince, marrying consultant Miss Mary Elizabeth Donaldson. That was a mouthful. (laughs) Mary handed in her resignation at Microsoft, where she had been working as a consultant. Two weeks later, she and Frederick greeted the press and the public. Frederick and Mary waved from the palace balcony to a sea of 2,000 people waving Danish and Australian flags below. Mary wore a cream coat with dark flecks throughout it. The media naturally focused in on her brand new shiny engagement ring. It was a square diamond with a ruby on either side, the colours of Denmark's flag. I don't I love this story so much. Let me make it clear. I might not love it as much as you, Zara, but I still love it a lot. 
Getting a ring <laughs> themed by the country's flag it, is a little much. Of course it is, but isn't it just all too much? It's, isn't the expectation of this episode that the royals are too much? <laughs> My appetite is I'm happy for royals to be a lot. The Danish flag on the over. ring is just a little over the top. Yeah, well, after that, Mary addressed the press. She said, good afternoon. I would like to say a few words before we start. I am very happy to be in Denmark. Today is a very exciting day and I'm sure you can understand that I am a little bit nervous. <laughs> I have read that I speak fluent Danish. Thank you, but it is unfortunately not quite right. It is important for me to speak Danish very well, and I am looking forward to being able to speak it fluently. If you ask questions in Danish, it would be a big help if you could speak slowly. There will also be some questions that I will feel much happier answering in English, so therefore I will do so. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> Imagine reading that you could speak fluent Danish to be like, it's not true. Now... These two were still very discreet despite the news of their engagement being public. They didn't reveal how Prince Frederick had proposed. They didn't kiss in front of the cameras aside from kissing each other on the hand. But it was clear that they were very in love. When Prince Frederick was asked to describe his fiancée, he replied, it's hard to put words to something this lovely. Oh, as part of media interviews, Mary and Frederick spoke to the Australian program 60 Minutes and Mary shared what she loved about Frederick. She said, everyone who meets Frederick sees something special in him and I've definitely seen that something special as well. He has his warmth, he has a very kind heart, he's charming. He is courageous and he makes a good whole. Mm. They also spoke about the enormity of what she was about to undertake. She shared how nervous she was speaking Danish for the first time in front of the press that day and asked whether it had sunk in that she would be the next Queen of Denmark. She said, not completely, no. As I've said a few times today, today is the first day that I really begin in this role and how I move into that role will evolve. Asked about whether she felt pressure to be the perfect princess or the perfect royal, Mary said this. I think, um, people, the perfect princess. What is the perfect princess? I don't know. It's a very subjective thing, first and foremost. But all I can say is that I will fulfill the role in a way that is particular to me. And all I can do is work hard and do my best. And for some people that will be good enough and for some it won't. Oh, see, the quotes are good. She's nice. I think she actually does an extremely good job of like navigating these questions and striking the right chord. Yes, because she'd only been in the public eye for like two or three years. Keep this in mind. But I do think age helps here. Mm. To meet someone at 28 to decide that this is who you want to be with and then sort of be 30-ish before you're properly marrying into the family gives you a long time to think it through. Now, the people and the media absolutely loved her. The day after the announcement and Mary's presentation to Danish society, the front pages of the major newspapers seemed to totally embrace her. One of them ran the headline, Saved by Mary, while another one read, Mary, you're born to it. One paper gave her 10 out of 10 for her Danish skills. In Australia, the media constantly described Mary's journey as something out of a fairy tale, of course, and couldn't help but reference the fact that Denmark was the place of famed fairy tale writer Hans Christian Andersen. One Sydney Morning Herald article opened with a quote from the princess and the pea. (laughs) Once upon... Sorry, this is is where it gets a bit much. Once upon a time, there was a prince who wanted to marry a princess, but she would have to be a real princess. He travelled all over the world to find one, but nowhere could he get what he wanted. I'm so sorry. I think we might have taken this too far. Oh, we may have. 
but the public's approval of Mary continued to grow. The newspapers polled the Danes about their attitude to the monarchy and more specifically Mary in the lead up to the wedding. Eight out of ten people told a Gallup opinion poll that the monarchy was the right form of rule in Denmark. Now, apparently no opinion poll had ever given the Danish royal family such a high result. As the biography we read put it, Danish Republicans may as well just pack their bags because they are in the minority. How insane is that? Especially in 2004, like there's been so much talk across the world about the role of monarchies Mm. and, you know, countries pushing to become republics for 80 percent of people polled to say no this is it yeah we love it astounding now according to the biography mary had succeeded in simultaneously giving the monarchy a touch of magic contemporary style and mysticism while also being down to earth popular young and innovative god you'd take those oh wouldn't you ever put that on my grave or whatever (laughs) popular young innovative (laughs) (laughs) thank you also down to earth and mysterious or a a touch of magic a touch of of mystique thanks very much (laughs) The wedding was held on the 14th of May, 2004. The festivities ran for nine days leading up to the wedding day. Yeah, that included a parade, a rock and roll concert in Copenhagen, multiple gala dinners, official visits and wedding gift presentations (laughs) at Parliament and at Copenhagen Town Hall. They also had several wedding rehearsals, a private party, a performance at the Royal Theatre the night before their wedding as well. I also read that there was a sailing race in there too. The wedding itself was held at Copenhagen's Cathedral at 3.30pm Prince Frederick and his best man his brother arrived Frederick wore the gala uniform of the Navy and his grandfather's sword the men very king-like yes I know the men in Mary's family by contrast were dressed in traditional Scottish kilts There were almost 700 guests in the church. The list included royalty from across Europe, along with the Australian Governor-General at the time and the Governor of Tasmania, Richard Butler. If you become the Governor of Tassie, I don't think you bank on attending the Danish royal wedding. No, but what a gig. What a gig. Yeah. Richard Butler would have been stoked to get that. Now, Mary's bridesmaids consisted of her best friend, Amber Petty, and her sisters, Jane and Patricia. They wore simple dresses with high short-sleeved jackets over the top with each ensemble a different shade of red that matched the flower arrangement. I don't want to neg anyone's wedding plans, but a a bridesmaid ensemble consisting of high-necked short-sleeved jackets in various shades of red isn't my vibe, just like the Danish royal flag and an engagement ring isn't my vibe. I mean, fair call. (laughs) I think what was really interesting to me is how much Mary's sisters look like her. Have you looked at these photos? Of course you would ask me to look at them. They photos. are, when you see them in the bridesmaid dresses, you kind of wonder if one of them's Mary. Oh! It's like be so easy to get confused. I'm having a live Google. Oh, yes. You're so right. Like twins. Particularly the shorter sister. Exactly. Looks a lot like Mary. Yeah. Now the cameras themselves showed Frederick with tears in his eyes as he watched Mary walk down the aisle <laughs> with her father. <laughs> she herself also wore this gorgeous scooped neck gown with three-quarter sleeves and a full skirt. After being pronounced husband and wife, they rode in a carriage drawn by six white horses. Horses again? I know. Around this, <laughs> I mean, horses have never been so mentioned in a shameless episode. The horses will be stoked. Around 100,000 people followed their coach through the streets of Copenhagen. Holy shit. As it headed to a palace and they finally kissed each other in front of the public. We finally got lips on lips. <laughs> <laughs> we got lip on lip back. Lip on lip. 
<laughs> Sorry. Not our best work, guys. <laughs> I don't think this is our best work. <laughs> we told you we were tired at the beginning. I know. It's the lip end of the year. It's the end of the year. We love some saucy lip on lip action out the front of a palace. Now, at the reception, Prince Frederick gave a speech to the guests. He started by addressing Mary's father. He said, I love her and I will protect her with all my heart. I will do my best to make her feel confident and at home in her new country. Prince Frederick then turned to address Mary, his bride. He spoke about how they first met in Australia, saying, I had only been in Australia two days before our fates were sealed, even though neither of us was aware of it. But your radiance shone clearly for me from our very first meeting. Since then, I have been blinded by it and totally dependent on it. Until that moment in my life, I had been striving to achieve greater independence without limiting any of my freedom. My opportunities were plentiful and my world was often lonely. Aww, he went on and said, The joy and strength you give me is like the sun in the daytime, which with its radiance melts all doubts and darkness on earth. And like the moon at night, you shine with a watchful and delicate beam of gentleness, which extinguishes the mischief and deceit used by the symbols of darkness. <laughs> it gets a bit Harry Potter <laughs> It's just like it's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. beautiful. It just gets a bit um Harry Harry Potter esque yeah, at the end of that. Yeah, it's a bit poetic. Let's call it that. <laughs> now the reception end with huge fireworks display <laughs> just after midnight. Now the year after they got married, Mary and Frederick welcomed their first child, Prince Christian of Denmark, because we know got to swap a room. Got to swap <laughs> around. Oh my god. Anyway, they also (laughs) went on to have Princess Isabella in 2007 and twins Prince Vincent and Princess Josephine in 2011. Mm. It's safe to say that Mary and Frederick have maintained their popularity in Denmark over the ensuing years. According to a 2020 survey by Kantar Gallup, a whopping 84% of Danes support the monarchy now. So... It's gone up since they got married. It didn't peak at the wedding. It's only gone up since. To put that in context, only 68% of Brits support the British monarchy. Yeah, how interesting. Now, Mary turned 50 this year and has also garnered a reputation as one of the most stylish royals in the world. Now... The episode's called Scandal and we promise you one scandal because there has been a recent controversy in the Danish royal family to get us up to now. Here's a little nugget, a nugget of scandal. Because this recent controversy has thrown the family into kind of a negative spotlight of sorts, Mish. Yeah, the only real negativity that we could find happened to occur in September this year. Now, that is when Mary's mother-in-law, Queen Margrethe of Denmark, the woman we've spoken about so many times, obviously the mother of Prince Frederick, announced that she was stripping four of her grandchildren of their royal titles. Now, to be clear, that doesn't affect Mary and Frederick's children whatsoever. It does affect Prince Joachim's children, though. They will only be able to use their titles as Counts and Countess of Monpezat. They won't be princes or princesses anymore. Wowee. Now Nana she, got brutal. Yeah, she did. Now, the change is set to come into effect at the start of 2023. The Queen said it was because, and I quote, she wishes to create the framework for the four grandchildren to be able to shape their own lives to a much greater extent without being limited by the special considerations and duties that a formal affiliation with the Royal House of Denmark as an institution involves. I mean, I think that's kind of fair and it's looking out for your grandchildren's best interests. Is it or is it taking some of the money away to allocate it somewhere else? Maybe. Now, Prince Joachim and his wife immediately came out and denounced the decision, saying that it was a short notice announcement. 
In an interview, he said, it is never fun to see your children being mistreated like that. They find themselves in a situation they do not understand. He and his wife also said that the Queen hadn't spoken to them since the changes were announced. They also said that their relationship with Frederick and Mary was complicated. It's about money. It has to be about money. Stripping them of their titles means stripping them of certain payments every year, I think, and that's why their parents are so pissed off. The Queen ended up having to actually issue a statement apologising for the announcement. She said, no one should be in doubt that my children, daughters-in-law and grandchildren are my great joy and pride. I now hope that we as a family can find the peace to find our way through the situation. Yeah, wow. Despite the controversy, it's not like people have been necessarily outraged. I mean, a poll revealed that over 50% of Danes did support her decision to strip four of her grandchildren of royal titles, but that's not like... It's not the 84% who love the royal family. 50. So, you know, that's where the Danish royal family is at right now. Mm. That's all we've got for you. (laughs) There is a little. How scandalous. We had sort of a lot of love story, got to the wedding, and gave you a little bit of a controversy to finish. Yeah. I do really like Princess Mary. Thank you. you Thank you for encouraging me to do this. I wonder if we'll ever be able to meet her. Princess Mary, if you're ever listening to this or if you're ever back in Australia. Two massive fans. Two massive fans. I also love Hobart, if that helps. I've never been but you would but yeah maybe she can take me take yeah. me on a tour or one of your sisters and i'll just pretend yeah, well, <laughs> they look alike enough thanks as always to our researcher justine landers hanley for researching this one and justine this is you're here with us right now yeah, i was about to say i'm like we need to introduce justine you're in the studio you've hopped in because we have an announcement to make and it's a bit of a sad one. Yes, yes you're leaving us. I know. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> ne- do not be sorry. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to get you on for the end of this episode because you've researched so many, so many of these wonderful scandals. And it's been we, almost 18 months yeah, now. Yeah, we wanted to say a proper goodbye. You're moving more into the world of politics. I am. Which yes. I don't know if we've scared you off with all this celebrity just content. <laughs> Look, guys, we're just as serious and important here yes. when it comes to celebrity scandals as you are with your political activism, yes, Justin. I agree. No, I completely agree. High and low. And so what we wanted to do, firstly, is thank you for all your work. Secondly, say goodbye. And thirdly, ask you, you know, let's do a little bit of a recap. What has yeah. been your favourite scandal to work on while you've been doing this job? have done so many. So many. It's been like over 60. It's crazy. You can categorise them if you like. Maybe most memorable or favorite whatever you I, want to do I think in terms of what was very enjoyable to work on was the Taylor Swift three-part series yes. I knew you were going to say that our most listened yeah. to series ever <laughs> because I just like I came into it being like oh I know all this like this <laughs> yeah. is fine I can just write this down in terms of like probably most enjoyable to research something that I didn't know anything about previously was the Anne Hathaway Hathaway yes. yes I adore doing that one as well yeah it's really fun to get to go back and re- analyze mm. a moment that made no sense when you look back on it and yeah, it was like out. group madness somehow yeah. with that and hathaway story big group think energy i think yes. for sure what about in terms of the ones that were harder to put together i think this would surprise people in terms of not knowing ones that took us maybe months because yeah. like taylor swift actually was three parts and it was pages and pages and pages oh my gosh yes but in many ways, even though that's a really complicated story because there's so much, it's easier to put together than some others, right? Yes. I think the hardest ones to put together are the ones 
pre-internet. Yes. <laughs> like yes. The ones where there's not like a thousand different listicles and, uh-huh. and articles and interviews that summarize everything. Things that are like time stamped and so easy to go back and just look at. Yeah. yeah 100%. I think the Marilyn Monroe episode stands mm. out to me because I had to read two books. I was just like reading these biographies and trying to like learn about someone's entire life. The Fleetwood Mac ones. Yes, yeah. The Yoko Ono episode. God, we've done a few. Well, we've done so many. <laughs> I mean, this is a good reminder for people to go back and listen to them as well. Yeah. yeah. Justine, thank you so much for your work. We're going to miss having you around the office so much. We're going to miss your work, but we know you are moving on to even more wonderful things. So thank you so much. No, thank you. It's been a delight and I can't wait to listen to Scandal now as like a fan. Oh, guys, <laughs> that is all we've got time for today. As always, you know where to find us. If you want to have a look at some nostalgic pickies from this episode, we are on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. Yeah, we absolutely are. We're also on TikTok at Shameless underscore podcast. That underscore kills me every time, but Still it's there. Kills you. <laughs> and we will be back in your ears on Thursday for another wrap in the week that was in pop culture. Bye. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.